Text us or call live. Live from the Robinson Auto Group Studios, this is your Wheeling No Two Ways About It with your hosts, Wheeling Mayor Glenn Elliott and Vice Mayor Chad Fallman. No. <laughs> That's actually a big no uh, as of today. Uh, Chad Dolman, of course, uh, running for mayor, uh, from vice mayor position to mayor uh, in the city of Wheeling. And because he's been a uh, filed candidate for a while, he had to step away from this show. And as of yesterday, Wheeling Mayor Glenn Elliott, uh, who is now, he's a twofer, I called him today. He's, he's a Wheeling Mayor Glenn Elliott and U.S. Senate candidate Glenn Elliott. Therefore, he can no longer be the uh, host of this show or have his own program that has to do with our trying to be fair and honest with everybody also uh, FCC regulations so for today I'm Howard Monroe and I will be here on this your wheeling no two ways about it as we look at a variety of issues in the friendly city with wheeling Mayor Glenn Elliott as my guest today so how's it feel on that side of the table over there been a while since I've been on this side of the table uh, the view is not quite as good but you know uh, not because you're there, just you oh, know, I it's got a it. different no, view. I, I like being able to see Lola there across the room, but uh, no, it's. Uh, uh, let me just say this: uh, you all at the station, uh, uh, you personally, the Fitzsimmons family. I cannot say enough about how much I've appreciated the opportunity here for. I think it's been about five years that we've done the Your Wheeling Show, maybe four years uh, that the vice mayor and I did for most of that until we stepped away. It has been an honor to do it. I think um, you know it shows a lot of it of uh, some uh, community service. Uh, thinking on your part to give us that platform. I think we've used it to inform folks. Uh, give us uh, some behind the scenes, you know, stuff, what's going on at council and, and some of our thinking. I hope folks have found it informative. I get a lot of emails and texts from people saying they loved hearing the show. I'm going to miss it, but I certainly understand why I, now I have to step away. But I really just want to thank you personally for that opportunity. Um, it's something I look forward to every Wednesday. And for our yeah. audience, I, I won't go into all the details now, but we will, uh, during the campaign season, and then afterwards, we'll probably have whoever is the mayor on. But during the yeah. campaign season, we will continue this show with, I think, a break for next week. But after that, we'll continue this show uh, as a focus on wheeling issues. Um, I, I won't talk about all the details we have planned, but I think this will be. And I will not be me, by the way. I, yeah. I, I do enough. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, we're going to continue to focus the show on the city of Wheeling. Um, and it will continue that way. Uh, past the election. we got to kind of tap dance a little bit during the uh, election season, mm -hmm. but after that uh, we will probably resume the same kind of show that you and the vice mayor did, whomever he and or she may be mm -hmm. uh, come that time. So, And I think what's been good about this show, um, although you have always dealt with some of the the big issues, we'll talk about homeless for example today. Sure, sure. Um, on my show and other shows, we kind of talk with the big, I call the headline issues. Mm -hmm. What this show often does is gets into a little, a little more interesting. Well, not yeah. that of the weeds, but the, the, yeah. the different stuff that yeah. doesn't always make the big headlines. And mm -hmm. I think that's what uh, at least our vision was for the show. And, and uh, you and Chad have managed to carry that out. But again, I will yeah. uh, tell people that we, uh, we will continue the show as a program focused on things, issues and events in the city of Wheeling as it has been. We're going to have to be a little bit careful during the election season. That's all. Mr. Mayor, oh, no, I'm sorry. Take that hat off. Put the, put the other hat on for a minute. Sure. Uh, candidate for the Democratic nomination for U.S. Senate. Yeah. I, talk to us about how this worked in your mind personally, your personal reflections. I mean, you had to have family concerns, financial yeah. concerns. I don't know, all kinds of things. Uh, talk to us about how, how you came to that conclusion. 
Uh, well, I can say, and this is, you can ask anybody who knows me, this was not even a consideration until Senator Manchin decided to step away. Um, I had thought that he was going to look at the presidential run and then decide to run for re-election. Um, of course, that didn't happen. I think it was around uh, somewhere in September. And, you know, within a week of that happening, folks uh, said, you should really think about this. And, of course, when you're a politician and someone says you should think about this race, well, you're going to think about it. And I thought about it. Um, didn't really give it that much credibility until, you know, I talked to uh, Mayor Steve Williams, who's running for governor. Uh, he made clear that he thought I would really be an addition, you know, a positive addition to the, to the Democratic ticket. Um, you know, being one of those races that's going to be one of those uh, top races for folks to look at. And he encouraged me to get in. I've talked to other folks from around the state, a couple of mayors that I've become close with uh, during my time, uh, you know, as mayor of Wheeling. And just really, I sat down with my wife and said, look, uh, this is going to be difficult. Uh, we have a, a, a son who's going to be two here in a couple of weeks. Uh, he's a handful. And here I am going to be on the road for, you know, the next 10 months uh, visiting every uh, corner, every hall or every county across the state, most of which are far away from Wheeling because of where we're uh, kind of tucked up here in the northern panhandle. So, um, you know, uh, to her great credit, as she said, you know, this is in your blood. This is something that you love. Uh, go for it. Um, oh, come on. No, no. no she, come on. I, I'm I, telling you, I'm Howard. Te at I, some point, <laughs> when you said that, she yeah. said, you want to do what? Well, well, look, uh, her biggest fear is, I think, um, and I think she would say this, is is not about the campaign because the campaign has a finite uh, timeline. We can always just yeah. look to November. What is it? I think it's the fourth and countdown. Uh, that's a timeline. Um, but I think her biggest fear is, frankly, Howard, that I win. Um, and I don't say that lightly because <laughs> no, I, if you think about you. it, uh, the life we have here would change dramatically. Um, you know, we have a really wonderful life here. We love living in our building downtown. We love seeing Wheeling uh, kind of being rebuilt around us. And this would mean that, you know, I or both of us would be spending a lot of time in D.C. back and forth traveling. And, you know, everything we do, I, like, oh, we get scrutinized now a lot, but that would be a whole different scale of scrutiny when you're a senator. And, and, the, and, and what it would mean for her— and, and for our son Harrison. So that's actually her biggest concern. Uh, she said, you know, we can get through the campaign, but if you win, oh boy. <laughs> so, yeah. So, no, but after that, I just said, you know what? Uh, this is, um, you know, look, the Democratic Party brand in this state is not good. I don't need to tell you that or anyone listening to the show. Uh, if you go around the state and poll people, the, like the generic Democratic brand is in the gutter right now. We have to you think about the way we, uh, we tell our stories. Uh, we've let the other side define the Democratic Party in the state for a long, long time as, you know, the far left, as the radical, whatever. Every commercial, every campaign, every time you hear the Republican candidates talking, it's the radical left. It's the AOCs. It's the whatever. Um, you know, I mean, like Democratic Party is what brought us Social Security and Medicare. It's what brought us the weekend. It's what gave unions the right to collectively bargain. It's why hundreds of thousands of West Virginians have health insurance. Um, and all these economic announcements that the governor's been going around the state, you know, parading are all made possible because of bills signed by President Biden and which would not have passed the Senate without Senator Joe Manchin. So those are the, I mean, that's the story we have to tell. We have to stop letting them define us this way. So, you know, I, I think I'm someone who can, you know, at least. Uh, you know, provide a fresh face for that argument. I'm going to talk about my story here in Wheeling, which I think is a success story. I think, you know, we've, I think we've moved the needle forward. I know not everybody agrees with that, and some of your texters certainly don't <laughs> agree with that, but I'm looking forward to telling the story of Wheeling. Um, you know, when I took office, I think uh, we had a, a good foundation, but I think we really took the baton from the prior councils and really have advanced the conversation in positive ways. And I go around the state, and people are talking about, are talking about Wheeling now, and it's exciting, and I want to tell that story. 
Yeah. Um, you, yeah. have, you, give, you, by the way, boy, you have really picked up the talking points. Good. I mean, <laughs> these aren't talking points. These are facts. What did I say? That's a talking point. No, no. I yeah, just, yeah, I mean, man, yeah. you, you already sound like a well. Like a, a, I don't. I don't mean this yeah. negatively. Like a politician. Yeah. You've got, All right. Well, you've got you got the line down. There. <laughs> um, but it, you're going to have to get the line down because yeah. it's going to be a, a long, hard slog. Uh, to get to, first of all, you may, again, I'm not sure, but I think you're going to have a, probably a Democratic uh, opposition, so there'll be a primary. I expect so, yes. Zach Shrewsbury has yes. uh, announced but not filed. And I, I don't know him personally. I, I, I've i looked at some of his stuff online, but I don't know him personally. I've talked to him on the air. That's the best I've done. <laughs> but uh, he is, you are, you lean to the left. I mean, I'm, I think that's fair, or at least you, you, you adhere to Democrat principles. Sure. Uh, Zach is much more of a far left progressive than you are so it's gonna be an interesting yeah. internal debate between the democratic party uh but let's look past that uh, assuming well, i can't look past that to no be you can't yeah, yeah. i don't I, 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 I'm, I'm not yeah. suggesting that it's it's yeah. a done deal but since you are here and, and sure. zach is not sure sure uh if you were to win the primary you would then probably be up against jim justice which that's a <laughs> you know that's gonna last be interesting I, uh, uh, you're correct to assume that based on where the polling is now. Obviously, anything can change. Uh, you know, Governor Justice is, as I checked, the most popular governor in the country right now yep. in a state where the Democratic brand is probably at its worst. So, yes, it's going to be an uphill battle. Is that what you're trying to say? Howard? Well, you know, it's also <laughs> yeah. going to be an interesting battle. I, I yeah. wrote when you were on with my show this morning, I yep. wrote a couple of words down and I didn't get to him. He is. Let's not talk about policy. Yep. He is, folksy, your erudite. He is he yeah. is, you know, down home spun and you tend to be much more thoughtful and more uh, I don't know if intellectual is the right word, but you tend to think things through more where he tends yeah. to emote things through more. It's gonna be an interesting contrast of characteristics between you guys. I yeah, uh, I've looked at I, well I've I, I've seen the governor in person at a lot of events. He certainly does have a very, you know, relaxing, calming way, the way he speaks to crowds. And, you know, people like it, and he's popular now. And I'm not going to – look, you know, that's not the type of campaign or candidate I can be because, you know, I am who I am. You know, I learned a lot of what I learned about public service, what I know about public service from serving uh, – uh, uh, as a staffer to Senator Byrd in the 1990s. And Byrd was far more erudite than I can ever claim to be. The man could quote from Shakespeare or uh, <laughs> yeah. or the Constitution or any text of American history at will and, um, you know, was one of the best-read people I've ever known. Um, but at the same time, he was able to connect with West Virginians, and I need to really draw from his approach. It wasn't to dumb things down, but it was just to talk people on their own terms and to try to put into words, you know, what, uh, you know, uh, you know, what are the things that you look for out of your elected representatives? What, are the, what does that person need to, uh, to do to advocate for the things that you matter about in the Senate? And just be uh, – Senator Byrd was not someone who licked his finger and felt the polls every day and said, I'm going to be for this today or I'm going to be for that today. And one thing I know for a fact is that the uh, – because I would write speeches for him here uh, during the last couple of years I worked for him. Uh, he would go around and he wouldn't have a speech for a – a Democratic crowd or a speech for a Republican crowd, he'd have a speech. And it was pretty much the same speech. <laughs> and, you, and I think why people get so frustrated with politicians is they have their – everything is is pulled to the point where you're you're taking the pulse of, of a poll every day and then you're going to say something based on that poll. But at the end of the day, you end up – if you do that, you end up like having – 
uh, inconsistent positions over time because polls change and issues change that matter to voters. Senator, like Senator Byrd didn't change very much o over the years. He did evolve on some issues, some to his credit. Obviously, he started out well, his career this issue on, yeah, on, racism. on race. Yeah. And, you know, he by the end of his time in office, he endorsed Barack Obama for president when he was running against Hillary Clinton. Uh, that is a huge evolution for a man who started where he did on that issue of race. But for the most part, he was who he was. And that's, I am who I am. I, a hoppy asked me on the show yesterday, am I going to be Joe Manchin 2.0 or whatever? Is that, is that me? And no, I'm not going to be uh, someone else. I'm going to be me. And, you know, whether folks like that or not is, is something we'll, uh, I have to find out. But I'm not going to change who I am and try to run some dumbed down campaign. I'm going to be me and I'm going to talk about the issues that matter to me. You, you mentioned on my show this morning, you have, you did talk to Senator Manchin yes, about yes, this. Yes. Have you talked to Jim Justice? Uh, not about you, this race. Did you, no. you see him? You were in Charleston for the State of the State. I did was about 10 feet then? away from him at the speech, sitting next to Delegate Fluharty, but we did not talk. No. You did not. You didn't no. say, like, hey, look, check I, the filings? Uh, I, no, I did not say that. <laughs> no. Um, look, you know, uh, I'm assuming I have a primary. That is my primary focus right now. Um, I learned from Senator Byrd that you don't take any election sure. for granted, including the, and the one that's in front of you is the one you need to be focused on. If, if I am so fortunate to win the primary, uh, Governor Justice or uh, Congressman Mooney and I will have plenty of time to get to know each other. But, uh, you know, I have a primary that's got, that, that has to be my first focus right now. Somebody asked me why yeah. I didn't get more detailed on policy with you and, and, uh, and also talk to you more about your yeah time in the mayor's job here yeah. uh, and my answer by the way is that we're going to have plenty of time to do that between now and election day and, mm -hmm. and we will get into all of those things sure. uh, i wanted to kind of probe a little on a personal level of this candidacy today and i don't want to sound like oprah <laughs> um but um your dad passed away recently yes oh how are you going to get me emotional here well yeah I, it's you know i i'm, I'm that had to have that has to have run through your mind uh -huh. I didn't know this was coming, Howard. This isn't fair, but uh, no. Um, yes, he passed away in November. Um, was, um, oh man, <laughs> uh, very proud of me. <clears throat> Just give me a second here. Sure. I didn't mean to. Well, That's I okay. Did, I, but but yeah. I, I, it, it, I thought you, you might have some reflections on that. I know that my, oh man, <laughs> it's still soon, and I've tried to, uh, you know, I get past it, but it's tough. Um, yes. That weighed into my thinking for this. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He would have been proud of this. He would have been. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Was this a lifelong? Was is politics been in your blood all your life? Obviously, you worked yeah. for Senator Byrd. Yeah. Uh, you know, you clearly uh, have an interest in it. Has this been something you always wanted to do? Um, a politics has always interested me. Um, I you know I actually went. My father actually encouraged me to go to the Wharton School of Business to get a degree in finance. He thought, you know, this was the 80s and, the, you know, corporate America, go to uh, uh, MBAs were the, uh, get the your coin MBA of the yeah. and go to New York and be a Wall Street, whatever. And I did go to the Wharton School, but I ended up minoring there in political science because I took I took a course, an elective course with an individual. His name was Dr. Carl von Voorhees, passed away a couple of years ago. I, I, um, he was a guy who was born in Germany. Um, when the Nazis came to power and saw firsthand his, uh, the country that he loved be taken over by Nazis, ended up defecting and ultimately serving in the U.S. intelligence agencies during the Korean War. Um, but he taught political science from the perspective of somebody uh, who really appreciated it because he had seen what happens when all the, guide, all the guardrails are taken down uh, and when fascism sets in. And, and that really developed a love for it for me. Um, so I actually ended up taking another course with him. Um, and that led me to get an internship of, uh, when I was in, 
in college, I got an internship first with uh, Congressman Mollahan in 92, and then uh, with Senator Byrd's office in 93. And then when I graduated in 94, I just I decided to say no to Wall Street and say yes to um, a DC and went to work for, for Senator Byrd as my first job out of college. Um, and then uh, came back to Wheeling and started looking around, decided it was time to run for mayor. Well, if, if it were that simple, when I came back home, it was um, I had been a lawyer there for about seven and a half, eight years. I was really reached, uh, this is going to sound like a cliche, there's no way to say it that doesn't, but I, I had one of those aha moments, like you think about your epitaph, right? Uh, someone I know had passed away, and, and like, what's going to be written on your epitaph? And at the time, I was just a lawyer in D.C. making a lot of money, but I wasn't doing anything that mattered to me. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was, I mean, as uh, yes, it was interesting work, it was, uh, I wouldn't say fun work, but you got to travel a lot, you got to meet a lot of people, and, and like I said, you were paid well, but the hours were excruciating, um, I looked around the law firm that I was at and, you know, a lot of the senior partners were almost all divorced, almost all in bad health, um, almost all miserable and cranky. I'm like, is this what I want for my future? So, you know, I kind of, I was at that point where if I want to make partner, you have to go a certain route. You have to put in even, even more hours, more effort. And I just didn't feel it. So I didn't want to quit my job and stay in DC because the cost of living there is ridiculous. So I quit my job and came back home uh, knowing, uh, uh Years earlier, my father had uh, bought the house next to him out in Marshall County where he lives. And, uh, you know, his old house was sitting vacant. So I just moved back there and figured I'd take a year off and kind of figure it out. But after six months here, I knew I was never leaving. You uh, yeah. spent a good year before you actually filed, I think, or at least you really spent a lot of time watching city government. Oh, yes. I, uh, uh, you know, I... I had bought the building downtown that I have in 2013, and that kind of put me on some people's radars. People, I think Wheeling, Her Wheeling Heritage asked me to be on their board. Um, the people started asking me to run, um, and I basically sat down, and a few of us sat down, and this time was in, uh, I guess, January of 2015. I met with folks like Chad Thalman, met with the Wendy Scatterday, met with the Jerry Morse at the time, and just said, hey, why don't the four of us just announce and you know make a serious run for city council and i think we announced exactly one year out for election day in 2015 it was may of 2015 may whatever of 2015 and uh that was a full year effort because i knew that i was a no name in wheeling i, I, I probably had 0.1 percent name recognition so i knew it was going to be a fight running against a very popular incumbent vice mayor at the time and uh, so we put a whole year into that of of studying government of going to every council meeting of, of talking to people and it was a really exciting campaign taught me a lot about uh, you know the power to uh, to win people over if you just you know keep on the same message and uh, and frankly get out and work i think i knocked on four thousand doors that campaign <laughs> yeah uh, as time goes by we'll talk about your feelings about your time in office yeah. and what you feel or some of your successes here and maybe maybe some unfinished work too in the city but um i want to shift gears to talk mm -hmm. about some of the city issues currently because this is a city show and uh we will talk again with you sure. more on my show as time goes by both as candidate and as mayor so we've got a lot to do um but i, I do want to ask you one question about the two of them how do you intend to balance the transition period you've got here you yeah. are still the mayor yeah you will be mayor for uh, several months until the primary yeah. Um, and then the primary, of course, is also the yeah. city election. Uh, but you've also got to start campaigning, I suppose, pretty soon. How do you balance this transition? <laughs> well, uh, look, it's 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 going to be tough. Um, and you know, I uh, someone asked me yesterday if I plan to uh, walk away. And look, I mean, I've been working on you know with with this council on a couple projects that are very close to the final stages. I don't want to walk away now because I really think. Um, you know, since I've been involved in these projects from day one, I don't want to step away and just 
uh, the reality with council now is when you have two members on council, both running for mayor and a third person running for mayor, everything gets a little bit extra political. And, you know, with what I don't have any interest in the in the outcome of that. Race. I just want to get some stuff done right now. I'm obviously supporting one candidate, but, you know, I'm not I'm not actively involved in that race. I just want to make sure we get stuff done and I don't want to step away for one thing. Then council would have to elect the next mayor, or pick the next mayor. I don't know that there's a cons consensus person right now for that. Uh, it doesn't automatically go to the vice mayor. I don't know if you've read the charter on that. It, well, no, it, it takes a vote of council to pick the next mayor if the mayor were to resign or die or something. So, uh, you know, I'm going to do my best to stay there. Uh, I I can kind of tell uh, going into the fall, though, you know, I used to email council and get immediate responses. And now I'm in that lame duck period. I, I, I email council and then like two days later, I might get a trickle in response. <laughs> I think they've already kind of tuned me out. <laughs> They're tired of hearing about me or from me. So, look. Um, you know, I'm, I want to see the next council pick up the baton and move forward. Uh, you know, I want to make sure we have good candidates running. Um, you know, city government is, it is the, it's the most uh, direct, uh, you can't be any closer to the people that you represent than the city government. I've never gone to Kroger's in the last eight years and not been stopped. And I, I actually, I go into Kroger's expecting to be stopped because it's, it's a uh, look. It's great ha uh, having elected officials that are there that are accountable that will answer your questions. I never try to avoid it. I always do talk to people when I can. Um, and uh, look, we need good people to run for city government. Um, you know, there is a it's it's not a part time job. I think you and McCabe were talking about it last week on the show. It's uh, for what you're paid on city council. It, 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 it's basically you're giving your time away. Um, right. And so you need people who have the time, who have the energy and the commitment to do it. Um, but, you know, it's look, it, I could not be more proud of the time I've had on city council and the folks we've had to work with. I think we've gotten a lot done and a credit to everyone I've served with. I think, you know, we've we've had our disagreements, but we've been able to work together, get some big stuff done. All right. Put your other hat on. Take the uh, candidate hat off. Get the mayor's hat ready. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, I do want to talk about some of the issues in the friendly city. You might be surprised to know that I want to talk to you about homeless issues. Oh, shocker. Shocker. <laughs> we'll do that coming yeah. up. Wheeling Mayor Glenn Elliott is my guest here on Your Wheeling, No Two Ways About It. Over the years, you've brought opioids into your home. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But holding on to opioids puts your family at risk. Learn more at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Are you concerned about losing your home or automobile if you file for bankruptcy protection? Find out if you would lose any property by calling Tom McIntyre at 304-232-8600 or have a free chat conference with his office online at McIntyreLaw.com. Tom has helped thousands of people in our area. He can answer these questions for you. Call 304-232-8600 or check him out online and have a free chat conference. In the heart of Ohio County, there's a leader who stands out from the rest. John Haglock, a dedicated public servant with a passion for keeping our community safe. With over 30 years of law enforcement experience, John Haglock is a seasoned professional who knows how to keep our community safe. John is not just a law enforcement veteran, he's a proud United States Army veteran, dedicated to the principles of duty, honor, and service to our great nation. John has also been a recipient of several prestigious awards, including including the West Virginia Prevention Resource Officer of the Year and the U.S. Attorney Champion for Children Award. Vote for experience, dedication, and a leader committed to serving the residents of Ohio County. Vote John Haglock for Sheriff. This advertisement was paid for by the committee to elect John Haglock Sheriff, David F. Cross, Treasurer. 
A serious injury from an accident can be just the start of your worries. What if you cannot return to work? How do you take care of your family if you're disabled? At Gellner Law Offices, we represent seriously injured people and understand their problem. We know how to get you fair compensation. We will work hard to make sure you get the money you deserve for your losses. Don't go it alone. If you're hurt in an accident, call us at 304-242-2900 or visit us at gellnerlaw.com. We'd like to help. My name is Mike Campsey. I am an interventional cardiologist and the chief of cardiology at Wheeling Hospital. I think the value of HVI in this region is tremendous. We offer such a wide spectrum of services from prevention to intervention. We're going to get the patient in as quickly as possible. That's the most tremendous benefit to the patients in this region is we, we're here 24-7. We're available to see somebody. Why? Just think about it. Why is the number one selling brand of chainsaws not sold at Lowe's or the Home Depot? We can give you over 10,000 reasons. That's how many authorized local steel dealers you can find across the country. Visit one and you'll find a range of dependable gas and battery powered tools from trimmers to blowers. And you'll find service from experienced professionals. Real steel. Find yours at steelusa.com. Lowe's and Home Depot are trademarks of their respective companies. When the unexpected happens, it's good to know you can count on the certified professional restorers at Panhandle Cleaning and Restoration. Whether it's fire, smoke, flood, or storm that damages your home or business, you can rest assured that we have helped thousands of families just like yours. With the right people, equipment, and expertise, we are ready to respond 24 hours a day to get you quickly back on your feet. When disaster strikes, just pick up the The Highland Sports Complex is the Ohio Valley's most exciting place to play. A state-of-the-art facility offering fun for the whole family with a climbing wall, arcade, indoor turf, hardwood courts, classes and camps for kids and adults. Plus, you can take a break in the on-site cafe. Learn more online at hitthehighlands.com or better yet, stop in and visit the Highlands Sports Complex at the top of the hill off I-70. Trio and Stack Auction Service. We sell the earth and everything on it. From estates to business liquidation, antiques, coins, firearms, real estate, and more. We're also certified appraisers. Trio and Stack can handle it all. Call us now for a free outside consultation. 304-233-3168. Or visit FrioAndStack.com. Licensed in West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Trio and Stack Auction Service. We sell the earth and everything on it. Toyota's national sales event is on, making now the best time to save big at your Toyota dealer. With available APR financing as low as 1.9% on select new 2022 fuel-efficient Camrys, Corollas, RAV4s, and Highlanders. Or go off-road in a rugged Tacoma or Tundra, also with low financing available to qualified buyers. Visit buyatoyota.com for more. Not all buyers will qualify for special APR financing from Toyota. See your dealer for details. Hurry, Toyota's national sales event ends September 6th. Toyota, let's go places. Be sure to check out Full Court Press for your weekly dose of West Virginia basketball talk. Every week, Bob Huggins will talk X's and O's with Michael Sussman, Derek Bailey, and Anthony Lewis. Hey, this is Coach Bob Huggins. Be sure to listen to Full Court Press for exclusive stories from my career and journey to over 900 victories. 
text us or call us with questions or comments. Your wheeling no two ways about it continues on The Watchdog. It is 1237 here on the uh, Watchdog Radio Network and the uh, Your Wheeling No Two Ways About It show. Uh, Wheeling's uh, mayor is here as my <laughs> guest this morning. Mayor Glenn Elliott is now uh, the guest of the show for today. Uh, I'm Howard Monroe, and uh, I've asked him to take off his uh, hat for running for the Senate and put on his hat for the city, uh, the mayor's job. Uh, Mr. Mayor, looks like you've been sued yeah, and well, look, um, this is not the first time that the SOU has, um, you know, made uh, this issue something that you know. Look, um, of course, you're referring to the homelessness issue, and that's an issue that really, for uh, several years now, has been something that has been a, a focus and a concern. Um, obviously, we took the step a couple years ago of creating a new position, the homeless liaison, uh, that was filled by Melissa Adams, who I think has done a incredible job of kind of just like starting the conversation amongst all the different organizations uh, in the community uh, that in some respect do uh, do cater to the homeless community or do provide services. Um, but, you know, in the middle of all this, uh, the situation across the country, really not like this isn't just a wheeling problem. I, I'm glad I saw the newspaper do a story on this. This is a national problem. It's definitely a state problem because I talked to mayors all across the state. Um, you know, we've seen more people in campsites. We've seen more people who are homeless. Uh, we've seen more strains on the services that we have. And, w and when you're on city council and people uh, see a campsite in their neighborhood or, or if their kids have to walk to the bus, or, like near a campsite, you're going to get some emails and texts and phone calls and stopped in Kroger uh, by people who are very concerned. And, and look, and so city council has passed a, uh, a camping ban. I didn't support it, but I certainly understand the, the thinking behind those who did because we get a lot of, of messages from folks who are very concerned about these sites. Uh, I only voted against it because I think uh, until we had the managed camp and the, and the winter freeze both set up and operational, um, you know, I didn't want to be kicking pe people out when it's eight degrees out there like it is now. Um, but, you know, in theory, I'm not opposed to the idea of a camping ban, but I want to make sure we have the backstop in place. Uh, but we are getting sued because that ban is being enforced. And people aren't happy about it, and the ACU has sued us, and I know that puts us in a tough situation. The the yep. issue of the managed camps, though, is is it, it, when the ordinance was passed back in what November, I think it was, uh, whenever, or December, yeah, when it was passed, uh, banning all public camping, uh, yeah. but focusing on the homeless, of course. Uh, it, the, the vice mayor's suggestion was let's create mani a managed yeah. camp. That made perfect sense to me. I yeah. think maybe to you too. It does. But yes. I I I always felt at the time. We didn't have enough focus on exactly what that was going to be. Yeah. But more importantly, nothing happened. I mean, what yeah. happened here? We, we So the ban is in effect. I get yeah. that. I don't even oppose it. But I, I'm really distressed that, that these yeah. folks have nowhere to go. Well, um, you know, the onus was upon our, our city administration and the various organizations to come together and find a solution there. And I don't think that's happened yet, in part because there's different theories on, on what, the, what, what, what this camp should look like. Uh, the intention was not, I believe, for the city to actually be the manager of this camp. We wanted to find one of the organizations or two uh, to serve in that capacity, and that's just not happened yet. And I know um, uh, maybe if some good co uh, uh, comes out of this, it will be that there is a sense of urgency to, uh, now to get that done. Because I think, from my perspective, w w without the managed camp, it's hard to enforce the ban 100 percent um, and not have some people just, you know, fall into very uh, – uh, sort of bad situations. I was encouraged last night. The city manager did say that, you know, the, the ban 
ordinance as drafted does give him some leeway to make exceptions. I think those will be very important to see what those exceptions are, um, especially as we're in the coldest part of the year right now. But look, I said this before, uh, the status quo was becoming un unsustainable. We can't just have campsites popping up everywhere. We can't have criminal activity taking place in campsites located very close to uh, homes and neighborhoods. And in the case of the Nelson, of, of the camp behind the Nelson Jordan Center, it's right by a high school there. Uh, you know, that's a problem that, that we can't just sit back and do nothing. Um, so I'm not going to uh, criticize anyone in the majority who voted for the ban. I only hope we can do everything we can to get this managed camp up and going. And I think uh, last night from the comments of Dr. Mercer, who spoke on behalf of a lot of the advocates there for the homeless, is he said a managed camp would be a good thing. So uh, we just need to sit down and get this managed camp in place uh, so that, uh, that the ban can be enforced without having too harsh of an impact on people. I was intrigued yeah. about this idea that there could be exceptions. I really didn't yeah. realize that until last night that, that yeah. theoretically mm -hmm. uh, a camp could come to the, the city manager and say, listen, we need to keep this camp exempt from the ban yeah. for a period of time. The yeah. city manager is very clear. He may or may not agree to it. Certainly not yeah. all exceptions get approved. Uh, but that is that is a way to at least forestall some of this while a managed camp gets put together. But um, are we making progress towards a managed camp? That's what I keep looking to see. Is there progress being made towards it? I know from talking to some of the uh, folks, uh, the advocates yesterday, the conversations have been taking place. The question is just really is where is it going to be and who's going to manage it? Um, as of last night, there wasn't a, a firm solution, but I do know that the, uh, I, like I said, like the urgency now with this, with this ban I going to be enforced is it really creates an incentive for that conversation to happen. Um, and again, like this is one of the problems and the whole issue to, to begin with is getting all the different folks in this arena to sit down and agree on a common strategy. We can't have 18 different approaches to home homelessness in the city wheeling and, and expect to make a lot of improvements. Oh, we need some coordinated approach. I recognize there's different philosophies. I recognize oh, one of the mistakes that people make when talking about homeless individuals. And it's something that, I mean, I'll be the first to admit that I have learned uh, uh, since being in this position is, is we put homeless people in a box. Well, they just did this wrong or whatever. There are a, a thousand ways people can end up home homeless. Chief among them are are issues like mental illness or substance abuse addiction or sometimes a combination of the two. Uh, but we also have a foster care system in the state that is very, very uh, challenged. We have uh, you know kids growing up in broken homes in, the, in foster care who end up homeless uh, with a severe, uh, you know, a mental illness for whatever or or phobias uh, we have folks who aren't able to uh, live in group settings who kind of have to be on their own there's just a lot of different types of people in this uh, you know in this uh, a, ho a homeless umbrella and we need a coordinated consolidated approach to get them all care that doesn't look the same because everybody needs a, a somewhat of different approach um, and that's the idea behind the life hub which we have now given some funding to get it started is is have the life hub as just uh, get them into housing and then you know from within that like once they have housing try to figure out the best agency in town uh, that's catered to their needs to get them to a point where they can live on their own I noticed that the uh, I believe I heard at the council meeting last night the life hub is going to start adding Bob Slider called them lockers, uh, but some yeah. form of a place for. Yeah. One of my concerns from the beginning of this ban was uh, you tell people they can't have a, a camp. Um, they do have the free shelter to go to at night, yeah. but they still got stuff. What do you yes. do with your stuff? Yes. I guess the Life Hub is going to make some provisions for people to be able to put stuff there. Yeah. Yes, that's been one of the big drawbacks of the Life Hub as a concept is because, uh, look, everybody who's in a campsite has 
a personal belongings. And if they, if the campsite is going to be torn down or whatever, they have to take everything on their body. Uh, I, you know, it's a lot to transport that each and every, every day or whatever. So if they can put it in a locker, stay at the life hub at night and then put their stuff in a locker and then, you know, I'll be able to go around town to the different places, providing services and meals and come back and retrieve their stuff. I think it'll give them a lot of comfort that the, you know, the life hub is a good option for them. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, look, uh, this is uh, taking urgent um, you know, status now because we're in January and the weather, it's the coldest weather we've had in probably a year or so. Um, you know, we will get back to spring where, where, where maybe it's not as big of an urgency, but, you know, we have to make sure we get this solved in the short term. Uh, we don't want people out there in these frigid, te- uh, frigid temps with nowhere to go. It, it almost seems to me, though, in a good uh, in a good way, the crisis mentality at the moment yeah. is actually forcing, I think, You're more right. action than it's yeah. been and also forcing yeah. a little bit of more agreement. I was pleased to see the Salvation Army this week saying, OK, yeah. we're going to open up warming centers during the daytime yeah. while the temperature is this bad. Yeah. And then a couple other of the agencies follow suit. So we'll, we'll do the same thing. Yeah. Salvation Army offered to uh, work coordinate with the Life Hub uh, to... Yeah. Because the Salvation Army has such strict regulations, the Life Hub is a low barrier shelter. Well, all right, we can send some of the ones that meet don't meet our criteria over to you, and we can take some of your. Yeah. I'm I'm sensing the crisis nature of this is forcing some action. And that uh, look, uh, that's certainly my hope. Um, uh, again, while I didn't vote for the ban. Um, sometimes when you do vote for something like that and something gets put in, into place, it does kind of get everybody stirring and saying, OK, we got to come up with a solution in this new reality. And I hope that's happening. I hope there are conversations taking place today at the city staff level uh, with these different groups. And I certainly hope uh, that in a very time certain here, we have a plan for a managed camp and we have, uh, you know, we're not in a situation where people are are going to be thrown out uh with their camps raised with nowhere for them to go um you know that is my absolute hope and you know we'll see what happens but you're absolutely right howard you know like like these conversations and this sense of urgency is a good thing to getting the a short-term solution then hope hopefully work towards a long-term solution and that's my last comment about homelessness i want to get some other stuff but uh what we've been doing right now we being the city in general Mm -hmm. and across the country really Mm -hmm. is we're band-aiding the problem of homelessness we are trying to keep people warm and give them a place to stay and a place to put their possessions. Uh, you alluded to this a minute ago. At some point, yeah, we're going to have to start talking about addressing the issue of homelessness. Yeah. Why are these people homeless, and how do we get them out of that? Yeah, those circumstances. Uh, there's no doubt that there are different approaches to the issue, even within Wheeling, of, uh, among the folks who do uh, great work in this in this arena. Uh, they're very different approaches. Some uh, uh, some organizations are focused almost exclusively on getting people into housing, uh, but other folks are are almost focused on you know making the tent sites that they're living in as as comfortable as possible, and you know and so it's almost like a competing interest there. At the end of the day, we have to get. Uh, I think if we have a housing first strategy, get people into housing. And then we, uh, that takes away the urgency of getting them I mean, out of the elements. And then from within that construct, you know, see what's best for them amongst the different organizations out there. Some folks are never going to be able to live a completely, a completely independent life uh, without some assistance. Um, you know, that's just a fact of the matter with, uh, you know, I, I living downtown. I know a lot of folks who walk around. I, I try to talk to them. You know, they're probably never going to be able to live. If you give them an apartment, they're probably never going to be able to hold a job or whatever. Like they're going to need assistance or help uh, throughout their life. We have to make sure that like that's in existence. And that's something that cities can't do. That, I mean, that's a state and federal issue uh, that these people are falling through the cracks. Um, 
And, you know, uh, look, we have to, con- I mean, as a city, we have to com- uh, continue lobbying the folks at the federal and state level to do more to make sure these people don't fall through the cracks. Why are these cracks there in the first place? Why don't we have a comprehensive solution for mental health? Uh, why don't we have a comprehensive solution for substance addiction? Um, it's It shouldn't be cities that have to solve this problem that's much bigger than cities. It's a national and state problem, and we need more help. All right, let's uh, let's talk yeah. about something fun instead. Oh, thank you. Uh, let's get on. <laughs> this issue will go on, and by the way, it will. Yes. Uh, promo uh, for the morning show uh, tomorrow. Uh, Rosemary Ketchum will be joining me. We've talked to the vice mayor a couple of days ago, and I'll we'll talk yeah. to Rosemary t- tomorrow about this yeah. whole situation. So we're trying to follow all that. Also tomorrow, just a quick promo. Uh, Steve Williams, uh, one of your cohorts, yes. is a mayor. Uh, Steve Williams, uh, mayor of Huntington, is. Uh, now uh, filed to run as a Democratic candidate for governor in West Virginia. And uh, I want to talk to Steve tomorrow a little yeah. bit about now that you're running. Is, yeah. are, is the mayor's position a, <laughs> a, the new fertile ground for Democratic well, candidates? Um, uh, I can't say that generally, but I can say in the case of Steve Williams and I, I think we're both the two mayors who, yes, as you said, are left of center in our in our thinking are are democrats but we've been able to work in cities that you know voted pretty decisively for president trump uh, both of the last two elections uh been able to get stuff done working with uh, uh, not really in an ideological way but in a pragmatic way uh steve williams story to tell and i i, I look forward to your interview with him tomorrow because i'm a big fan of his what he's done in huntington is uh, singularly impressive I, I mean it's a i think he's in year 11 they can have uh, served for three terms in the city of huntington I, I, and so i think he's in his 11th of 12 years there as mayor um and Huntington was was ground zero for the opioid epidemic. I don't. I mean, it literally was like they had 28 overdoses in, in one day a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ground zero, and he has not avoided that issue. He's leaned into it, um, done a great job with economic development downtown. Uh, uh, you know, downtown. Huh? When I was in high school, we went down there to play basketball a couple of times. And downtown Huntington was nothing to brag about, but it is booming now. There's a lot going on there. I've learned from watching Mayor Williams in action, uh, uh, you know, taking some of his lessons here and try to do it in Wheeling. Um, I think he's going to have a great story to tell. And I think as mayors, you know, we have a story to tell as people who can get stuff done. So um, I'm uh, let's again shifting gears. I yeah. um, I'm too old to splash around, but. It's like the city is investing quite a good bit into splash pads. Yes. Um, Yes, indeed. Uh, You know, the downtown splash pad that was approved last year, I I forget the month we approved it. Uh, City manager last night said the plan is to have that installed and completed by Labor or by Memorial Day. And that's going to be where? Uh, In the little grassy uh, rectangle there uh, adjacent to uh, West Bank Arena. Okay. Uh, uh, So, you know, I guess uh, north of the arena. Uh, there's a little square grass pad there, and that's where it's going to be. The reason it is there, that wasn't our first choice. We we actually wanted to put it down by the playground, um, you know, the Altmaier Playground, um, which is just uh, sits up above Veterans Amphitheater. Uh, but under state law, if you have a splash pad, you need to have a public restroom uh, nearby. And so there are public restrooms right there at the arena. So that t- just made sense. It wasn't our first choice, but after looking at the options, I mean, the cost to I mean, actually build restrooms down there was going to be astronomical. So that's what we did. I think it'll be a very nice addition to the port. Uh, you know, we have all the festivals going on over the summer. Now kids will be able to get wet and, you know, annoy their parents a little bit. So I think it'll be great. <laughs> I know my son is, uh, you know, I likes water, so I'm looking forward to taking I, I taking I, I take Harrison down to it. Um, I think it'll be a nice addition there. And splash pads are kind of the new uh, kid pools. You know, uh, uh, kid pools aren't cool anymore. Kiddie pools aren't cool anymore. Uh, splash pads are what you see. Uh, is, uh, they're much safer. You don't need a lifeguard there. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that uh, ho- uh, hopefully by the end of May. Um, another thing I heard talking about at council last night, just very quickly, um, some concerns, uh, well, ongoing concerns yeah. about Tunnel Green. Yes. 
uh, well, both the bridge there that's the issue. And also uh, one thing we did get a positive update on is, is um, uh, you know, last year uh, using some um, uh, funds from the user fee, we approved uh, the painting of the of the bridge. I call it like I call it the at the Tahoe Green Bridge, but it's not the bridge that is over the uh, creek. It's the bridge that, which is over Route Two there. Uh, for years, it's been rusty. It just looks hideous. It's not structurally compromised. It's a it, it's a bridge that was a, a, a designed to hold railroad a, a railroad car, you know. So it's not a a structurally compromised bridge, but it just looked hideous and it's embarrassing. And now with all the work that was done. At the I-70 interchange, there we thought that it would really look nice to paint that bridge. You know, put maybe a Wheeling flag or logo on that bridge. Say, "Welcome to Wheeling." Uh, that work is going to be uh, starting, I guess, in March. So that was that was a positive update. On the not so positive side is is the issues. Um, you know, um, it looks like it's going to be a very expensive fix to up uh, to reopen. Uh, you know, the bike trail there. Uh, uh, going across that bridge into the tunnel, uh, the city manager threw out a number last night that kind of uh, caused me to shift in my chair a little bit. He said five hundred thousand, which which that gets your attention because that's a big number for our budget. Um, so you know, I know a lot of people depend on that bike trail. It's it's the only way to you know take your bike and get safely to the Elm Grove area. So it's a nice connector. I've used it myself many times. Um, th that's something that I don't know if this council is going to deal with it, but it's going to be a problem if we don't. And we're going to have to look for maybe some state and federal assistance on this. But you know, this is something that people have come to depend on. And unfortunately, when you have a city comprised of old pieces uh, like this is, it, it's expensive sometimes to keep it up and running. One of the projects uh, that you'll have to leave behind, it won't be quite done when you leave office, is the streetscape project. Uh, but, <laughs> and uh, I'm but, not going to miss that one, Howard. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but it, is, it is moving along, yes. and uh, we're getting closer. Yes, and just as... I was down in Charleston on, of course, uh, yesterday, but I came back and Market Street in front of my building was open, which, which is going to be upsetting for my son because he's been used to standing in our little turret there looking out the window to see bulldozers. He loves, <laughs> he loves the trucks. He loves the bulldozers, the trucks. He points at them, and now he's going to see cars going. He's like, what is this? Uh, but no, it's – look uh, – Oh, we've said so much about this project, you know, in this hour over the last uh, uh, three or four years. Um, it's one of those uh, gifts that keeps on giving. You know, we got blasted because it never it, it wasn't happening. And now we get blasted because it is happening and people don't like the way it's happening. Um, but look, it's going to be done. And whoever is mayor at the time can take all the credit for it. I don't care. But it's going to be done. It's going to be a it. it it's hard to really appreciate the like difference it's going to make because we've I think we've internalized this look of our downtown streets as a mess. It'll be um, a dramatic, a dramatic improvement. I think it'll pop, and I think when it, when people get off that bridge and and come down Main Street, it's going to be wow. This is a city that's on the move. So I can't wait. Uh, I think the current estimate is you know summer of 2025 when all things are said and done. But um, either way, uh, you know whether like, oh, wherever I am at the time, um, you know I've it, it's going to be a happy day for the city of Wheeling, and I. I it, I just can't wait to see it done. You know, I what, never thought of this until you just mentioned. I can't even remember what the streets look like. It's before this. What it, they? It's about 15 years since they've looked normal. And and look, I don't want to throw a prior councils under the bus, but a decision was made. I was told that a decision was made not to repave Main and Market in in the 2015 era because if they did so, it may diminish the incentive of the state to actually do the project because mm. uh, they probably needed paved then. Uh, but that decision was made not to do so is what I was told. Again, this is just from secondhand information. Uh, but I think if you think about it, that probably made sense at the time, because if you paved it, then the state may say, all right, we're going to go focus on, you know, Park, uh, uh, Parkersburg or Bridgeport or somewhere else. Um, and so like we got to where we got where the streets just became 
utterly embarrassing and impassable. Uh, but you know that all ultimately helped get the project over the finish line, or at least I uh, get the project funded, and we carried over the finish line. But um, look, it's a mess. You know, I've internalized it myself. I just know <laughs> oh, when I'm getting close to home, I'm going to be bouncing around a little bit. I have a truck that, you know, is extra bouncy. So, you know, you really feel, uh, especially Main Street, you feel it. But, hey, you know, a year from, I, well, 18 months from now, I guess, is safe to say, uh, you know, I look forward to a very different downtown Wheeling uh, streetscape. And I will be very proud of the part that we played, uh, you know, in setting the tone for what it's going to look like. Because, you know, we didn't win on the two-way traffic, as you remember very well. <laughs> uh, but we did win on, on a lot of improvements to make it more pedestrian friendly. And you're going to you're starting to see those curb bump outs kind of take shape. I think that's going to be a nice addition. I can't wait to see it done. Uh, only a minute left, but, yeah. but it, it, sort of in, tying in with that. What has been nice to see how many yeah. businesses have chosen to look beyond the problems of today and invest for tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of places like the Bridge Tavern and yeah. some others that have said, you know what, yeah. it's a mess, Yeah, uh, but but we see the vision down the road. It, no, it's been great. The private investment to me is the story that I'm most proud of. Obviously, you know, the public has a role to play. Uh, we've definitely uh, pushed some public investment as well. Uh, but when private investors start seeing downtown Wheeling and the rest of the city make sense for them, and they're not even coming to us asking for anything, that's a day when you need to celebrate. And, you know, we're starting to see that now. Um, I'm thrilled with, like, Waterfront Hall downtown. Um, you know, uh, That is the most, one of the most exciting projects oh, around. Absolutely. I, I, love I love going down there, and it's uh, there's always a vibe in there. And it, it sounds like there's going to be a wood-fired pizza opening up in there soon, which would be a nice addition. We don't have that in, in downtown. Uh, you know, Fabio's Pizza is going to be coming, too, so we're going to have a couple pizza joints downtown. Hey, um, a private investment is what made downtown great back in the day. That you remember the '50s and '60s, the heyday of downtown was. It wasn't. Good. I mean, it wasn't government investment. It was private investment. That's what we need. But I think we've set the stage now with the streetscape project, where people are going to see a much brighter future and start putting their own dollars to work in greater, uh, to a greater degree. And that's where things will really take off. Mr. Mayor, appreciate you coming by today as a guest on your own show, but it's no longer your show. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Go on. Uh, but uh, Willie Mayor Glenn Elliott has been here with us, uh, and uh, he is continuing to be the mayor of the city of Wheeling for another few months. The primary is in May? In May 14th, May 14th I believe. 14th, yes. So uh, he remains mayor until then when somebody else will take that position. Well, uh, July 1st is when I'm actually sworn Well, that's yeah. right. You're yeah. right. Somebody will be elected to take yeah. the job in May. <clears throat> yeah, okay. So uh, uh, Glenn will continue to be your mayor uh, for a while but also running for uh, the U.S. Uh, the Democratic nomination for the U.S. Senate seat, and we will hear a lot about that. And again, uh, you'll probably be maybe a guest on this show uh, <laughs> yeah. as time goes well, happy by. happy to. Yeah. But uh, I'll uh, be talking to you a lot in the morning show as well. Uh, Howard, thanks again, and thanks again so much for the opportunity to be on the show for the last few years. I've really enjoyed it. You know, look, 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 uh, Stay tuned. And I forgot to say, Lola, thank you. Thank you. Lola's been there. She closed. It's too cold in there. She closed the window, so she stayed warm. And uh, I will see you tomorrow morning at uh, 7 o'clock on the Watchdog Morning Show. The Watchdog is FM 98.1, AM 1600, WKKX, Wheeling. From ABC 